have somebody standing next to you telling him he did not triumph. How many of you know no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper? How many of you got a testimony this morning uh, that the enemy have formed the weapon, uh, but it did not prosper? His plan failed. Uh, his scheme failed. Uh, the devil tried to kill me, uh, but I got away. I wish I had about 300 uh, folk in the building uh, that weren't ashamed. Uh, I was on my way out. Uh, I was on my but God picked me up and it turned. Hallelujah. Woo! Somebody got the victory in the building. Shout yeah. Shout yeah. Clap your hands one more time and give him praise. We are so honored this morning to have every one of our guests with us in the house of the Lord Rock Church. Would you help me one more time? Put your hands together. Come on, I need all of you to help me make a and come all of our guests that are here. We are so grateful to have you in the house of the Lord with us this morning. We are so excited about everything that God is doing in this place. Amen. We are so grateful to have with us all the way from, I believe it's Bradenton, Florida. Sister Mayo's mother and father with us in the house of the Lord. We are so honored that they drove down to be with us this morning. So good to have this family here. Is it the Kalut? Help me one more time. The Coley family with us in the house of the Lord. If I said it wrong, charge it to my head and not my heart. Come on, let's give them a great big hand clap of welcome. We apologize this morning for being so laid back and timid. But we promise you, if you come back, we'll go ahead and turn loose and really have church in here. <laughs> we have been looking forward to this weekend for several weeks now. I got a phone call uh, several weeks ago from Bishop Mayo that they were going to be in the area preparing to spend a little bit of time on vacation. And uh, he told me that they were just going to pop in and be in service with us. Now look, I know that the demands of pastoring, when, when, when you get an opportunity to unplug and go on vacation, uh, you, you just want to go ahead and unplug. And so for them to consent to be in the house of the Lord with us this weekend is such a privilege and an honor that they would consider taking time out of their great busy schedule to be with us. I love Bishop and Lady Mayo more than they know. We have known them almost from the time that we, uh, my wife and I, were born again and, and got into church as a young teenager and met them when they were much younger and they were evangelizing and they happened to be preaching a revival at our home church in Pueblo, Colorado. And from that moment until now, there has just been a God-orchestrated connectivity between our family and theirs. Bishop Mayo, you have been used so powerfully over the years to speak into my life. I'm grateful for your friendship. I'm grateful for your mentorship. We love you and your wife so very much. And we are so honored that you're here. Bishop Mayo is a very sought-after preacher all across the globe. Pastors a miraculous revival church in Spokane, Washington. They are getting ready to make an offer on their fifth building. 
There is no reverse in his transmission, only forward. I love that. And he is a published author. Before God filled him with the Holy Ghost, he was a professional musician, extremely talented, incredible preacher. And I could go on and on and on. God is using this man in miraculous and powerful ways in this last day. Sister Mayo is the director of the ladies' ministry for the Worldwide Pentecostal Fellowship International. That's a lot of syllables. Also a very sought-after speaker, amazingly talented musician and singer. But above all of that, these are Christians. And we are just, we are blessed to have them here with us this morning. We want them to come. If they want to sing, they can sing. If he wants us to get in the altar and weep and repent, we're ready to do it. If they're ready for us to climb the walls and swing from the lights, we're ready to do it. How many of you are ready to just obey wherever the Holy Ghost takes us this morning? One more time, would you stand on your feet, put your hands together, and give God your best praise as Bishop Mayo comes to deliver his heart to us. Well, I've got to confess that I would have been just more than happy to sit back and praise and worship God and stomp on the head of the devil with the rest of you. You know, I couldn't help but notice that there was some people sprinkled about. Let me, I'm not trying to be critical. I really am trying to help you. But I learned as a new convert that whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to worship God. Because this thing ain't based on feelings. It's based on the truth of the Word of God. God is great and greatly to be praised. It don't matter how I feel. It don't matter what it looks like. It don't matter what it sounds like. It don't matter what the enemy says. It don't matter what people say. Come on, somebody confuse the enemy today. My goodness. This is hands down the most exciting church in America. You ought to be excited that you're here. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor Williams, for all those wonderful things that I'll, for the rest of my life, be trying to live up to. And uh, I turned to my cadet when, uh, when your pastor said, most of all, they're Christians. And I looked at my cadet and I said, I sure want to be. I've been everything else. I want to be a Christian. I've drank of the waters of this world and honey, there ain't nothing there but shallow, polluted, empty. And it is an honor to be with you this morning and uh, your pastor and his precious wife are just some of the greatest people that we know. And uh, yeah, I know that you know that. And uh, be willing to share your pastor because God is using him greatly, not just here, but in other places. And I know that, that it is truly a sacrifice for a congregation to share their pastor. Um, but these people are tremendous and... Uh, we love them greatly. Um, and then to have my in-laws here sitting off to the side. Tremendous people of God. Tremendous people of God. And uh, I, know, I know that they've done a great job because I married their daughter. And... Uh, She probably thought she was getting the booby prize, but uh, from the very beginning, I made up my mind, I'm going to do everything I can to spoil this girl and to let her know you made the right choice. 
he made the right choice. So it's great to see them and uh, great to be with all of you. We love this church very, very much and just feel so much at home. I want to tell you, home is where the Holy Ghost is. You can be in an elevator on your way to a courtroom, but if the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you, honey, you're one step away from being home. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I really feel to deliver something to this great congregation here this morning. And uh, I would like to draw your attention to the book of Luke, chapter number 1. And it's good to see uh, the Williams boys that are just grown up to be tall, dark, and handsome and full of the Holy Ghost. And it's great to see both of them. Amen. Amen. I tell you, it's a big deal to have kids in the church. Don't ever make fun of kids running the aisles. They could be running the streets. They could be running drugs. But they're running in the house of God. And uh, I just love what I feel here this morning. It just feels so, so connected. I feel so connected. And I love it. Luke chapter number 1. And we're going to start reading in... um, We're going to read in verse 5. We're going to read a couple verses of scripture here. So please bear with me just a little bit. Verse number 5 says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of... Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, and of the course of Abia and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Verse number 11. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. The Bible says in verse number 7 that they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years. That means they were old. Whether they were, it's obvious by this terminology that Zacharias had not retired, which according to the book of Numbers gives the perimeters of the priesthood. But so much had happened in the intertestamental era that there's some expositors that believe that he even went beyond 50 years of age. He was well beyond that and so stricken that he and his wife could not produce a child. Verse 11, and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Verse 12, and when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Verse 13, but the angel said unto him, fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard And thy wife, Elizabeth, shall bear thee a son. And thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness. And many shall rejoice at his birth. Verse number 18. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. Someone said, praise the Lord. One more collection of verses. I apologize for such a lengthy reading. Verse number 26, same chapter. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph at the house of David, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou 
hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. Verse 34, then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be seen? I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who, she, who was called barren. For with God. Honey, if God's in it. I said, if God is in it. shall be impossible and Mary responded behold the handmaid of the Lord be it unto me according to thy word and the angel departed from her I want to preach to us for just a few moments I don't know if it's morning or afternoon. It don't really matter. But I want to preach to us facilitating the impossible. Clap your hands and let's give the Lord praise one more time. Lord Jesus, I pray that you shake the shackles that have been placed onto us by our culture that limits the Holy One of Israel and liberate this people by the power of your Spirit in Jesus' name God bless you you may be seated this particular scenario that I have read in your hearing today is actually a microcosm of theological, physiological, supernatural, and natural understanding. There is a transition that is taking place unbeknownst to these key characters that I have noted and read in your hearing today. The nation of Israel has experienced 400 years plus of not hearing the voice of a prophet and not receiving a prophetical word. In fact, you could even go back farther than that, that the nation of Israel had found themselves in a place where they were no longer following the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day and the voice of the supernatural. But they had gravitated towards a secondary condition and lifestyle under the presence of their God. What is unique about this setting is that Gabriel, who is introduced to us in the New Testament in Luke chapter number 1, is the same angel that visited Daniel when Daniel was in that incredible state of receiving detailed end-time information in which Daniel was instructed to seal up the sun. It was Gabriel that foreshadowed uh, the beast that was coming out of the sea. It was Gabriel that told Daniel about all the indicators of the Antichrist. It was Gabriel that revealed to Daniel that what would befall God's people in the latter times. 
It was Gabriel that revealed unto Daniel the incredible parenthetical period of time known as the time of the Gentiles. It is also recorded in the book of Luke chapter number 21. The times of the Gentiles was a period of time in which the nation of Israel would not be free to worship God. It would not be a free democracy before God. You see, if you're going to be a true democracy before God, you have to live according to the Word of God. And the nation of Israel had failed to do this. God never intended that the nation of Israel would once again uh, be in shackles and in chains. When God brought them out of um, the ghetto folks from Goshen, and He brought them out of Egyptian captivity, it was the backbone of all godly deliverance that would follow in the Word of God. It would be a fundamental reference point that would to be told through the oral tradition to ensuing generations until the end of time. That God brought us out of Egyptian bondage and He brought us into a land that flows with milk and honey. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if you just think that this is all there is to this and coming to this building and giving your money is all this is to this, you have missed it. It's all about being liberated and free from the power of sin and from the chains of this world. But the nation of Israel proved in the Old Testament that even with the hand of God and the fulfillment of meticulous and careful planning and prophecy, that people cannot live as a blessed people without having God on the inside of them. The nation of Israel requested kings. They requested this. They requested that. They were given provision. God gave them their request. And still, the nation of Israel could not live as a free democracy and theocracy before God. When they were lifted up, they wanted to be like the other nations. And they fell into idolatry so many times that ultimately, by the words of the lips of Jeremiah... That God had prophesied that this is your last chance. And then God whisked them away to Babylon, which is a type of false doctrine. The nation of Israel in Egypt is a type of God's people in the world. But God doesn't want you in the world. And so He calls you out. He brings you out. He keeps you out. And He takes you in. Clap your hands and give God praise. You say, well, pastor, it's a little hard today. And I thought this is all going to be celebration. Honey, don't complain about the the journey. If God brought you out, trust me. Trust me. You'll shout again. You'll dance again. You'll clap again. You'll run again. You're in transit. And so even after God had brought them into a land that flows with milk and honey... Cities they did not build, homes they did not erect, lands and gardens they did not till, cultivate, and domesticate. It was here where God really wanted His people to be. But they fell into idolatry and wanted to show up and show off and be like all the nations of the world. And so God led them into Babylonian captivity. And this began... What Gabriel, the angel that we're introduced to in Luke chapter number 1. This is what Gabriel had revealed to Daniel. That God's people would be in the times of the Gentiles unto the end. The nation of Israel could still exist. They could still have borders. They could still have Jerusalem. They could still worship God. But they would never again be the free people that they were created to be. And so God had used Gabriel to reveal revelatory things hundreds of years before. And then in Luke chapter number 1, we see that Gabriel, through the silent years between Malachi and Matthew, 
that talk about a very special period of time in which some people have tried to say there was actually scripture that was written called the Apocrypha. But the Apocrypha was never canonized. It never, it never was able to pass the muster and the scrutinization of being holy writ. There are other books that were written during this inner testamental time as God's people now struggled under the times of the Gentiles. Recalling and remember, remembering the testimonies of former years and having the cloud of guilt and shame of realizing that we didn't live up to that. And so now we are under the heel of the Gentiles. First it was the Babylonians and then the Medes and the Persians and then it was the Greeks. And now in Luke chapter number 1, at the time of the birth of Jesus, we have the Roman Empire is placed solidly with their heel on the necks of God's people. And I can almost see Gabriel standing on his tiptoes saying, I'm ready to go talk to somebody. I'm ready to go talk to somebody. God has watched his people cry, even with Zerubbabel laying afresh the foundation of the house of God. And Nehemiah, through absolute incredible process and faith and determination, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. God waited for a moment in which his people could once again believe in absolute liberation. And they would not be subjected to the heels physically of their captors. And so I can almost see Gabriel just, I got to talk to somebody. I got to talk to somebody. But you got to understand something. As excited as heaven is, and as excited as God is, and as excited as the angels are, everything has to operate on an appointed time. I feel to say to somebody, until your rescue comes, don't you back up. You just show up because you fixing to go up. It might be time to grow up. It ain't time to slow up. Somebody clap your hand and give God the praise. Ali, I remember as a new convert, I remember coming to church, Pastor Williams, when I didn't even feel God. Now, I'm going to tell you what, when I, before I got the Holy Ghost, I walked into a church just like this and took a look around and I said, where have these people been for 500 years? They look like they just walked off the Mayflower. You know what I'm saying? They look like a bunch of, I had a little name for them, I'm not going to say it now. And I saw people running the aisles, worshiping God. I said, you ain't never going to get me to do that. Honey, when I got under the spout where the power came out, I was leading the pack. And every once in a while, I still take a lap. But there came a time when God said, I'm going to see what he's going to do. And just like you take that little... Nine-month, ten-month, eleven-month-old child, and you take your hands away, and on wobbly legs, and full diapers. And you're so proud that he took his first step, and God says to the devil, see? See? Come on, Peter, take another step. I'm right here. I can't feel nothing. Come on, show the devil. I don't need drugs. I got faith. Come on, you addicted personalities. I ain't got to feel nothing. The Bible says, I will never leave you. Nor. Come on, some of you in the back. Give the devil a heartache today. Give the devil a headache today. Let the devil know you're too late. It won't work. It ain't going to work. It might have worked on me yesterday, but devil, you can't have tomorrow. You can't have right now. You can't. Somebody back over yonder, clap your hands. I remember telling my pastor, Brother Wilson, 
I don't feel God. He said, that's all right. Stay faithful. (laughs) What do you mean there ain't no more joy juice? What do you mean my goosebump machine dried up? What do you mean there ain't no more dope? Honey, when I was in the world, I found dope. Trust me. If it took me all night, I'd find out who had it. But what God wants to say is, instead of whining around, why don't you hit your knees? I've not walked away. I've not left you. I'll never leave you. I'll never walk away. I want to see what you're going to do. I want to know if you're really in this. I want to know if you really want this. I want to know if you really believe this. Oh, let's clap our hands and show God we believe this. I ain't looking for another church. I ain't looking for another denomination. I ain't looking for... I can see Gabriel. I can see Gabriel just saying, those, those nasty Babylonians, they put shackles back on God's people. Raided the house of God. Raided the temple. The Medes and the Persians. And then the Greeks that infused Hellenistic enculturation into God's people. Antiochus Epiphanes, which is a type of the Antichrist, came in and slaughtered a pig on the altar of sacrifice in the temple. Gabriel said, oh, I gotta find somebody. I gotta find somebody. I gotta find somebody. Daniel understood. Daniel understood. There's gotta be somebody. And then the Romans, with their majestic eagles and their Pax Romana and the glory of the Roman Empire, moved in. And began to oversee and supervise God's people. And Gabriel said, oh God, how long God? 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 I want to tell you, ministering spirits are given to every one of us. And if you think they enjoy what the devil tries to do to you. But they're waiting on you to call on Jesus. As long as you give the enemy permission... The devil's going to keep backing you up. And your angel's saying, come on, call on the name. Come on, call on the name. Come on, pray. Come on, worship. My God, he come. my God, I feel something right now. Somebody ought to shoot your hands in the air and say, devil, I've listened to your lies as long as I shall. I'm going to get free. I'm going to steal. My Lord, all across this building, let's praise him. If you really want to get free, there is no spirit. There is no stronghold. There is no Babylon. There is no Egypt. Come on, why don't we all just praise Jesus here? Come on, you can get free if you want to. Don't let the devil train you. Don't let your flesh train you. That, well, I feel God. Or, you know, I went to church today. No, 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 no. God says, I designed you to be a tailor-made devil chaser. I designed you to be the head and not the tail. I designed you to be above and not beneath. I designed you to be the lender, not the borrower. My Lord, I feel revival. Somebody shout. Pastor Williams, I cannot help it. I have got to say what I feel like the Holy Ghost has given me. You want to know what God is waiting on? God's got another 5,000 people he's ready to send here. He's waiting on some of you to get loose and to be strong and to be... 
God's got a whole nother wave of people. He's saying, come on, get ready, get solid, be faithful, be stable. Let's praise him. You have a responsibility for a drug addict to be faithful. You have a responsibility to an alcoholic to be submitted and committed. You have a responsibility to this world to say, God, you can build on me. You can trust me. You can... You. You tired of the chains? Let's let God make us free today. You tired of the times of the Gentiles? Go ahead and say, God, today is my day. This ain't the responsibility of your pastor. And you got the best of the best. This is no longer just their responsibility. It's our responsibility. This is my pastor. This is my church. This is my revival. Well, I just came here to get me a little something. You know what happens? Is your flesh, if you're not careful, will train you. And your flesh will train you that when you get the feeling this way that you're feeling today or pretty close to what you're feeling today, it's time to head back to church. Honey, if you'll come to church and be faithful, you never got to feel that way again. That's what you got to tell yourself. I'm going to do it whether I feel like it or not. I'm going to give till it hurts. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to praise him in the midnight hour. I'm going to praise him in stocks and bonds. I'm going to praise him whether anybody's listening or not. I'm going to go ahead and magnify God. Somebody praise him anyhow. A church grows. A church grows at the speed that it can solidify and fortify. Well, we want great revival. And listen, I don't even have to prophesy. It's already coming. In fact, it ain't coming, it's here. It ain't coming, it's here. Just as soon as just as soon as God can trust you not to backslide when things get rough, God says, build on that one, build on that one, build on her, build on them. And God says, here they come, here they come, here they come, here they come. I'm not going to backslide. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to look elsewhere. I'm going to stay rooted. I'm going to stay grounded. I'm going to be faithful. Let's praise him. If you've got a revelation, praise him. If you've got the understanding, praise him. Well, preacher, somebody offended me. Guess what? Offense is a fact of life. But great is the blood of the lamb. I am what I am by the grace of God. You can offend me, but you ain't stopping me. You can do anything you want. You ain't stopping me. You can't have my victory. You can't have my crown. You can't have my robe. You can't have my anointing. You can't have my power. Ain't nobody going to get that. My, 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 I want to tell you, there's a pocket back over here. I want to tell you, I love you folks. 
I really do. And I love it when I feel God. But one of the aspects is mature, of maturity is this. I'm going to go ahead and do what's right. And then I'll feel God afterward. See, the, the whole reason why they're on dope, cigarettes, drugs, you name it. Fill in the blank. They've got to have it now. 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 The child of God says, you know what? I know God's there. But I'm going to teach my flesh. You're going to worship today. You are going to make, you are not in control. You tried to kill me. You tried to destroy me. You put me in a drug house. You put me in Alcoholics Anonymous. You caused me to be divorced. You caused me pain. You will do as I tell you to do. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4 is one of these rare occasions where we understand not just the theological and the dispensational drama, but it helps us to understand the kairos of God. Everybody said kairos. Kairos is God's time. It is supernatural timing that is already programmed by God for the entrance and fulfillment of prophecy. Chronological time was based on the times of the Gentiles. And the Bible says in Galatians 4 and 4 that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son made of a woman. The nation of Israel was smack dab in the middle of the times of the Gentiles under the heel of the world. And God said, you ain't going to stop this prophecy You ain't going to stop me moving. You're not going to stop a Savior. You're not going to stop a Christ. You're not going to stop the power of Jesus. You're not going to stop El Shaddai. El Elyon. You're not going to stop Jehovah Rophe. Jehovah Yim Kadesh. Jehovah Mahaka. You're not going to stop the manifestation of God manifest in the flesh. And so, God looks over at Gabriel and gives him a nod. And Gabriel says, praise God. Praise God. I'm just feeling so strong to talk to folks here. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that ministering spirits are sent forth to the heirs of salvation. What do those angelic ambassadors do? Your flesh tells you a cigarette would taste pretty good right now. The angel says, call on the name of Jesus. You're behind an internet, you're, you're behind a screen, and on the internet at night, nobody else looking. Go to that site again. Oh, you can get quiet all you want to. I know I'm right in the bullseye tonight. The angel says, shut it off. As long as you keep doing what your flesh wants, the devil says... He, he gave me permission. I don't have to leave. Tomorrow I'm going to condemn him. I'm going to put shame on him. You won't get no victory for months. You're going to, you, you gave him permission. But you start listening to the angel. And you go from victory to victory. And faith to faith. And joy to joy. And power to power. And life is worth living. And God is worth praising. Zachariah has been performing in the office of a priest for many years. As I've already mentioned, the book of Numbers, under the Mosaic Covenant, it gave strict 
genealogy and time frame to the performance of a priest from 30 to 50. But there are many that believe that because much the nation of Israel has lost its, its moorings, that in a lot of cases they were doing exactly what they wanted to do. Take note that it was under Hellenistic influence, which was Babylonians, Medes and Persians, Greeks. They started to infuse Hellenistic culture, and that's where the Pharisees and the Sadducees began. They already began to depart from the purity of God's word. He's an old man. He's in there going through the performance of the priesthood and lighting the incense. He's been doing this for many, many, many years. And as as Zacharias is done doing what he's doing, he's just going through his religious duty. There's an angel there. And this is not just any angel. You, You already know that there are seraphims, teraphims, cherubims, the rank and file of glory, the heavenly world. But there are also, there are premier angels, archangels. Michael, the warrior angel, Revelation chapter 12. Gabriel is the messenger angel. Lucifer, before his fall, was the worship angel. And see, that's why he doesn't like this church. Because we took his place. Well, that one ain't going to worship. I'll make sure that no, no, no. I know God's good. All I got to do is remember. All I got to do is look at the book. Why don't you let Lucifer know you don't own me anymore. I've been bought with a price. I'm free today. And what you need to understand is that this transition is epical. It is epic, the transition that is taking place here. It is not just fodder, F-O-D-D-E-R, to fill the pages of Holy Writ. It's not just a space in time until we get to something more important. This is a transition, a microcosm, that describes the entire spiritual transition from the nation of Israel To a kingdom of priests. Zechariah. I am Gabriel. And your wife is going to bear a son and call his name John. The first human being ever to be filled with the Holy Ghost outside of Adam. Zechariah says, well, you know, I'm not exactly. I lost my tap on the dance floor a long time ago. (laughs) And my wife is stricken in years. How shall that be? Is there anybody here today can think of anywhere where God did this before? Abraham, Sarah's going to have a son. You see, when there is biblical precedent and there is established foundation, we are not excused for our disbelief. We are not released from our unbelief. If God said he's going to do it and he's going to build on where it was happening before, God said, would somebody believe me? And if it happened in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, it can happen in Fort Myers in February 2018.
Now, I'm going to hit you kind of hard on this one, but it don't mean I don't like you. Maybe that's why there's so few people that aren't witnessing anymore. Maybe that's why there's so few. And I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about Pentecost as a whole. Honey, we don't belong in ball games and football stadiums. This is the Super Bowl. This is the greatest show on earth. This is the greatest demonstration of the power that's in this world. But Pentecost, that has lost their power and lost their victory and lost their anointing. When the glory of God leaves, the glory of man comes back. And where we are now spectators instead of the leaders and participants in bringing down the almighty God and demonstrating him to the world. Clap your hands and give God the praise. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. It almost seems reasonable that Zacharias would ask such a question. How is this going to happen? Except for one thing. I thought she's a priest. I thought you've been studying the word, hanging out with the scribes. I thought you've been reading the scrolls every day. And you don't remember what I did to Abraham and Sarah when they were stricken in years and were just about to give up and went in and created an Ishmael because they didn't believe God was able to do it. And the angel said, you're not even going to talk about revival until it happens and you're going to see it. I want you to lift your hands and say, God, I don't want to be like Moses going to Nebo where I see it, but I don't taste of it. I want a taste of revival. I want to participate in revival. I want to walk in revival. I'm still believing for my children to be saved. I'm still deliver, believing my husband to come in. I'm still believing. Come on, somebody. When I was a new convert, I heard the great revival was coming. I heard the great revival before the rapture was coming. Honey, look at somebody and say, it's here. It's right here, right now, 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 right here, right now. Because he doubted the word of God that had already been miraculously given. And was deeply etched. Not just a passing story, but Abraham. The Abrahamic covenant became the main covenant that brought forth the fulfillment. Because in Galatians chapter number 3, it's the promise of Abraham. Which is the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Zechariah comes out of church. How is church today? What's going on over that big old building? What's going on in there? You've been lighting the incense. What's going on? The minute revival got here, he was able to be a part of it because now he's seen it. There's some people that are not going to get the same blessing because Jesus said, Blessed are you that believe that I'm not seen. Well, I'm just going to wait to see. Let me see what happens if that church struggles. You're going to miss your blessing. You're going to miss what God has for you. You're going to miss. Same angel. Same message goes to a 14-year-old girl. Same angel. They both were troubled. Zechariah was troubled. Mary was troubled. Same message of a miraculous birth. The only difference between Mary and Zechariah is Zechariah, if he would have really known the Bible, he would have said, yeah, right there. Right there in Genesis. 
Mary said, I never heard of this one before. I don't even know a man. I don't even, you know, I know you're an angel because you're glistening and I feel it and something is resonating on the inside of me. And, 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 but how is this going to happen seeing that I know not a man? The Holy Ghost! Don't walk out just yet. Here's the difference. Between those that will facilitate the impossible and those that will continue to walk in circles. Mary said, bring it on. God's saying, can I do something in four Myers that has never been done anywhere else? Bring it on. Can this church grow to miraculous proportions without the sociological history of Pentecostalism? Bring it on! Somebody clap your hands and say, according to thy word, be it unto me, be it unto me. I want it. I want revival. I want to see it. I want to taste it. I want to be a part of it. Clap your hands and give him praise. Some people are divinely selected by God to facilitate the impossible. If you've been in church long enough that you remember Moses taking an offering, you probably think things have got to be done a certain way. Things have got to sound a certain way. Things have got to look a certain way. Honey, when God showed up to Mary, Mary didn't say, well, you know, I better talk to my mom and dad. I better talk to anybody. This is God. I'm doing it. This is God. I'm going with it. This is God. I'm on my way. This is God right here, right here, according to your word, according to your word, according to your word, according to your word, according to your word. I'm almost done, I promise. My wife said, now honey, remember, you got to preach twice today. I'm not as young as I look. I know my limitations. There is a law, a hermeneutical law. Hermeneutics, there's three Greek words that describe the theological approach to the word of God. There's apologetics. That's the defense of the gospel. There's homiletics. That's the presentation of the gospel. Then there's hermeneutics. Everybody say hermeneutics. Hermeneutics. It's a big long word that basically means interpretation. And there are laws of interpretation. And the reason why we believe that the word of God reveals itself correctly is why we don't believe in a trinity. I don't need somebody with a goatee on a stool to tell me there's God in three persons. I've been baptized in Jesus' name. I talk to him every day. One load, one faith, one baptism. Come on. Right? I'm almost done, I promise. (laughs) The word impossible is not found in the Old Testament. The concept of impossible is totally foreign to the Hebrew mind. It was only after the Holy Ghost was agreeing to come together with flesh that impossible is now revealed to human beings. It only appears nine times. The very first place The three laws of hermeneutics is context. Nothing violates and supersedes context. The other one is redundancy, the law of redundancy. But then there's the law of first usage. And the law of first usage states 
that unless there are completely opposing manifestations of it, this sets the pattern for everything else where the word is used. I wonder if the doctor is told in you there's no hope and you're saying it's impossible. Welcome to the house of healing. We are not going to win this world with little pea shooters and little paddles and little running around knocking on doors. We're going to have to have people that say, God, I know I'm, I'm in a hospital bed, but I want you to get glory out of this. And God raises you up. And what the devil, what the doctor said was impossible. Now you've got the nurses and the doctors and the staff are filling the church. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Are there any Marys in the house? I preached to Zechariah. I'm tired of Zechariah. Are there any Marys in the house? Are there any virgins in the house? Is there anybody that wants God? Oh, I got to tell you this, and then I promise I'm putting this microphone down. For many years, the human race believed, because of superstition of height, Mount Everest could never be climbed. There was an entire infrastructure of world man-made religions that live in that area of Nepal and Tibet that believe in the superstition of the mountains. There were climbers, alpinists, world-famous climbers that said that mountain will never be climbed, it's too tall. But on May 29th, 1953, Edmund Hillary and his Sherpa became the first known human beings to climb Mount Everest. Today, it's been climbed by 4,000 people plus one guy on crutches. Don't tell me this church can't shake this nation. Don't tell me that what God... Is there anybody that wants to facilitate... The impossible! Come on, Mary. Bring it on. 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 Stand to your feet and clap your hands and give God the praise. with Orville and Wilbur there were people that said you'll never break the speed of sound you'll never break the speed of sound man will never be able to get beyond which is now defined as being Mach 1 man will never never be able to break the sound there but in 1947 a pilot named Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier and it happens every single day somewhere in the world God's looking for somebody that says I'm looking for somebody that will look at the impossible and say bring it on God I'll walk I'm not going to backslide I'm not throwing in the towel I'm not giving up I'm going to let God facilitate the impossible There are those in the sport world that said that a human being will never break the four-minute mile. Except in 1954, the chariots of fire, Roger Bannister. And to this day, there has been people that have broken the four-minute barrier mile 
every single year since. God is looking for somebody. I'm preaching to the Rock Church in Fort Myers, Florida. We're not looking at our shoulder. We're not looking across the the city. We're not looking at anybody else. We're not looking at our denominational manual. We are saying, God, you you sent me here. Bring it on. 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 Everybody in this building has an impossible situation. I'm asking everybody in this building to come down to the front. We're going to pray just several moments in this altar. We're not going to belabor it. We're not going to push you. We're not going to make you do anything. But how many people are going to give God the opportunity to do what your doctor can't do, your lawyer can't do, your boss can't do, your brother can't do, your mom and daddy can't do? Just keep on coming. Come on, scoot over and make room for somebody. Somebody's going to get their miracle today. Once you get a revelation of how God works, you will never be afraid again of problems that just show up that you can't fix because it's an opportunity for God to do the impossible. Twenty-three years ago, twenty-four years ago almost, my wife and I were sent to Spokane, Washington. The average Pentecostal church in Washington, and I'm not I'm just giving you numbers here so you understand. I'm not doing anything stupid is 60 people 60 people is the average congregation in the northwest where I'm from today we're expecting 450 to be in that sanctuary I'm not looking for no brownie button I want to walk with God God says do you believe that I can do this and I said yay Lord pour it out pour it on me lift your hands and whatever your situation is call on the name of Jesus come on pray for somebody I believe you're able God I believe you're able to heal I believe you're able to deliver I believe you're able to bring me out with a mighty hand I feel the there's all kinds of people that need somebody to pray with them. The sky is the limit to what I can have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I see the Pray for somebody. Pray for somebody. I see the invisible. 